Hello and welcome to Diminishing Returns. This week, we'll be tackling the history of how the Grinch stole Christmas, starting with the book by Dr. Seuss, followed by the animated short made in the 60s, and finally the live-action feature film starring Jim Carrey. Why are we doing this? Because there is a new Grinch film coming out on November the 8th, just in time for Christmas. Listen and enjoy. Hello, welcome to Diminishing Returns. Uh, we, we just did a load of spooky stuff, but it's not October anymore, so now it's time for Christmas stuff, apparently. Yay! Yay! It's November, it must be time for Christmas. Yay! Yay. Uh, yes, it's November, the, the most festive time of year, and as ever, I, myself, Sol, am joined by Mr. Alan uh, Turing. Turing. Hello, hello. How do you even say it, Alan? I don't even know. I don't know. <laughs> and and this week uh we are joined by very special guest mr howard jenkins yay. hello yay. <laughs> hello. hello hi yeah so howard have you got a few favorite films you could rattle off for us i, I know you're quite similar to myself in terms of taste but uh favorite films i'm uh i'm a big disney fan personally um my favorite films are Probably Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin, the yeah. kind of Renaissance musical kind yeah. of era. We, sh- we should clarify, Howard is only uh, 11 years old. So, uh, <laughs> yes, yes. Got, thank thank you for clarifying voice. that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've developed very early. Um, uh, Nothing yeah. wrong with Aladdin. Yeah. Beauty and the Beast, all right. I mean, that, that's very good, actually, because you, you are essentially replacing our previous third host, Calvin, who... <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'm not not a Disney guy. I like my Disney. Uh, cool. Yeah. So Howard, uh, you and I go way back. Uh, mm-hmm. I was thinking about this before. I think pretty much any film that I saw in the cinema from about 2000 and 2002 or so to about 2007, there's a very good chance I went to see it with you. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds <laughs> we about were right. At the time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Since I was six, <laughs> we've been dating, and now now I'm eleven. We've uh, we've. <laughs> 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 It's a bit awkward and, now, but we're still we're, we're still good friends. And there's um, a there's a very good chance we went to see it three or four times actually, because that that was something that I think yeah. we used to do oh, yeah, <laughs> go and yeah. watch films multiple times at the cinema. Yeah. yeah just, uh, oh, when we had money, God. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we were too young to see anything, you know, above a twelve rating. So it was just like, yeah, let's go see Goldmember for the third time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In fact, not just the cinema. Uh, a, a DVD was a big investment. Yes. So it was a case of right. I'm going to watch every last special feature, deleted scene, everything on this, and then when my friend comes over, we're going to kind of sit down and watch all these like cool little things I've got on DVD, and that was yeah. that was yeah. a big part of that age for me so again we spent a lot of time watching did you was there a filtration process here so would you like watch all the extras and then go okay these are the ones that are worth watching yeah kind of it was it was like it was like hey i've got dumb and dumber on dvd (laughs) (laughs) there's this there's this uh scottish dub language easter egg you've got to check it out let me show you and then put it on and giggle away but um the point i was sort of leading to with that is uh one of the go-to Things that we would watch and watch special features of and what have you were Jim Carrey movies. Um, they were a big part of my 
childhood into adolescence. Yeah, I, yeah, I was a big same. Jim Carrey guy. Yeah, yeah, Howard as well, I believe you were. Mm. Um, somehow The Grinch, I never saw it. I, I just kind of missed that one. Yeah, I'm, I'm well, when because you messaged me the other day and you told me that you hadn't seen it, and I was, I was really surprised that. I mean, I could understand if you hadn't sort of rewatched it recently, but I, I was kind of surprised that you hadn't seen it at all. It seemed like the kind of thing you would have at least, yeah, seen. I, I, I honestly don't know how it passed me by, to be honest, because I, I think I've seen like every other Jim Carrey film of note from about 1990 to 2005 or so. I, honestly, I, I wasn't even sure if I'd seen the original cartoon uh, TV special. Uh, the Grinch, how the Grinch stole Christmas, mm, until yeah. the other night. Because it's it's one of those things where it's been parodied so much. It's such a part of pop culture. Yeah. Well, it's even there's a, there's a bit of it even in Home Alone, isn't there? There's a bit where yeah. he's actually watching it, like it's so. Yeah. yeah. And the, the the bit that comes to mind for me is that there's a Simpsons episode, one of the classic classic episodes where they're on strike and Mr. Burns, they you know full on emulated the animation of the Grinch listening and. Look at them all through the darkness I am bringing. They're not sad at all. They're actually singing. They sing without juices. They sing without blenders. They sing without flungers, cap dabblers, and smendlers. Do tell Simpson I'm ready to deal. But it's it. Yeah, I I was watching it and I. I think I must have seen it. I must have done. It was so familiar, but I, I honestly don't know if I had or not. Um, yeah. Should we start with the short film? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, why not? I, I haven't seen it. Um, and the, I mean, the, the Jim Carrey Grinch. I, I must have seen. I've definitely seen it, but it was years ago, so mm. it was, that was fairly fresh to me. I hadn't seen this animated version, but before I even watched that, I read the book because I thought, oh okay, wow, oh yeah, okay, that won't yeah. take long, will it? So I thought I'll go back to the source. <laughs> And like it took me like six minutes to read it. It's not like, which immediately Alan always thinking... always reading the books. He's always like, I, 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 proper research, like Frankenstein, and and now the <laughs> so it, it was uh, like, how are they going to spin this out <laughs> to a feature length? I, I must say, I loved Dr. Seuss books as a kid. What few ones were available in the library? I'd sort of heard of it. I'd, I'd kind of heard of the characters. I think I'd, I'd heard of the Cat in the Hat and the Grinch and, and the whole Green Eggs and Ham thing. But everything else, mm. I think I pretty much heard through like through other films. Like People would be reading them in films or, yeah. or something like that. So it's, yeah, I, I never read them That's it. I've, myself. I've never read Green Eggs and Ham, but I know, what is it, I, I do not like. Something I do Sam not like I them, Sam. I am. I do not like green eggs and ham. Yeah, I've, and is that in Liar Liar or something? I, I, again, I've, I've. Yeah, I think it's Mrs. Doubtfire. You know, I think it's. <laughs> I think they're reading it in Mrs. Doubtfire. It's the op- it's the opening theme to Frasier. That's what you're thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> Tart salads and scrambled green eggs and ham. <laughs> oh god. Frasier has left the building. Anyway, so, yes. Uh, oh yeah, so I read the book, right? Yeah, and yeah. it is what it is. We all know. I guess we know what Doctor Zeus is. And my my thing with Doctor Zeus is always, it's, and to be honest, it's obviously it's not really this bad. Uh, but I always just think it's like, 
What, oh, what rhymes with schlamfoople? Um, <laughs> schlamfoople. Yeah, yeah. I, I've got yeah, to admit, that's, that's there, there's, a, there's a moment in both adaptations of the book that I assume's from the book where the Grinch was walking. He had a terrible rash, and then he stole the last can of Hash and it's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but but it, but it's like, couldn't you have? Couldn't you have just come up with something real instead of making up a pretend hash? I, I don't know. It just it, it just seemed like a really lazy rhyme. But there's the what's not in the book and is in the in the cartoon version is when it's like they're they're listing off the things that the the children have got and it's like oh this one's got a slam and this one's got a, a stickler boop and all this sort of stuff <laughs> and that's not in the book. That is just sort of like nonsense that they've added in to pad it out of it. Which no, that's very very uh, easy the, to make up. Doctor Seuss wrote, <laughs> like he wrote it, so it's not like. But yeah, well, but what my point is that in the book there isn't that much gibberish. It's it's fairly uh, sensible. Yeah. I, I I remember really liking Doctor Seuss stuff as a kid, but it was more about the it was less about rhyming and nonsense words and more about just the you know inventive art illustrations and the kind mm. of crazy pictures and it was always some madcap story with things and chaos and. Well, the other obvious thing is uh, Dr. Zeus's animation style, which is completely yes. uh, adhered to in both versions that we've seen. And it does it, it does give it a, a real distinct flavour, um, mm. which is, it's not just like, oh, this is another cartoon, I've seen this sort of thing before. It's, it's... Well, yeah, I mean, it, so yeah, it was adapted by Chuck Jones, uh, is that his name? Am mm-hmm. I confusing yes. him with? Yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking of Chuck Lorre for a second there. Christ, that'd be <laughs> Chuck Norris. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't seen uh, the Chuck Norris version of the Grinch. That's that's pretty great. Adapted by uh, Chuck Jones in 1966. I want to say is that right? Yeah, really that sounds that. about right. And Chuck Jones, of course, being a very very well respected uh, animator, mostly working in you know, short films, classic Looney Tunes style stuff. Although, did he ever work on the Looney Tunes, or was he more of his own... He, he was part of that, you know, Looney Tunes, Tex Avery, he was part of that whole school yeah. of animation in the, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s, wasn't he? And yeah, it's it's very faithful to the book for the most part, but it, it really makes a point of having very good animation, although only in the sense of the people doing the drawings were really bothering to make them expressive and, and put mm, effort into yeah. them. It, it's clearly done on a kind of 1966 TV animation budget. You know, it's not it's not the glossiest of animation. If you were kind of a layman to animation, you might look at it and think, yeah, that's shit. But then the Grinch yeah. starts to move and express himself, and it's really nice. Yeah, but it it was at a time when you couldn't be lazy with animation. You know, you had to draw every single picture, mm. you had to paint every cell, and it's it's got a real. Um, it really looks like when you watch animation a lot of the time. I often stop and think it's hard to imagine that someone drew this by hand. I'm talking about older mm. animation, really, when it wasn't just done digitally and drawn straight into a computer. Um, mm. Because, you know, all the classic animation and and Disney stuff and what have you, it was pencil drawings, basically, that were then gone over in, in, you know, pens and paints and things. Mm. And I always kind of struggle when I'm watching it to think that's a pencil line. It looks like such a smooth, clear line. Mm. Watching this, it it does look like a sort of scruffy pencil drawing a lot of the time, which is quite unusual 
I think that's when they were kind of getting into like the Xerox kind of method because yeah. if you because even if you look at Disney in that period, cat, cat, you've got uh, things what like called? Aristocats have a lot of that in the yeah and opening. 101 Dalmatians, Sword in the Stone. That's what they did. They kind of do these these kind of rough sketchy things and then kind of try and erase the the kind of sketchy bits as best as they could and then sort of you know it was Xerox and whatever else afterwards. But like a lot of the sketchy stuff kind of remained on it. And it's, re- it's really obvious in that time period, so I guess that's just kind of... That was the it, best way of doing it at that time. I got about five minutes in, and I got quite bored, honestly. That's, <laughs> that's, huh? I, I really kind of like the premise and the, the look of it, but it's a bit... It's very repetitive. It's quite slow in a, an archaic way. You know, it just feels like a product of its time, really, which can't hold against it. And the music is... Um, so that opening song that they come back to at the end is just it's just annoying it's just the what they who's just going me moo wah wah flip flap bleep bloop blap bloop bleep blap bing dong Christmas time oh god but then of course the uh, the iconic song in the middle um, you're a mean one Mr. Grinch sung by Thurl Ravenscroft is great yeah You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You really are a heel. You're as cuddly as a cactus. You're as charming as an eel, Mr. Grinch. I don't know. For me, the songs didn't really add anything to me. And even though you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch, it's just a bit silly. I, I didn't do anything for me. I know you like it because Electric Six have covered it, so obviously obviously you like it. (laughs) You're a vile one, Mr. Grinch. You have termites in your smile. You have all the tender sweetness of a seasick crocodile, Mr. Grinch. Given the choice between the two of you, I'd take the seasick crocodile! (laughs) You're gonna put songs in, then put some songs in. Like, don't just put two in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with that. I, yeah. I, well, I was wondering how much of the songs came from the book because that opening fleet flap Christmas meh, 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 just struck me as like, oh, that's probably in the book, no. and they've just put some music over it because it's shit. <laughs> but no, not no, at all. No, well, no. well, I know Doctor Seuss wrote the lyrics. He wrote the lyrics for them, but I, yeah. I, I think, I think they were just written for this. Yeah. I, I, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, and in the book it just says all the who's start to sing. It doesn't give any yeah. indication of yeah. what it is. I mean, I, I think it's a great little montage song from a 60s cartoon. It gives it a lot of character. It gives the the short a lot of attitudes, dare I say, by 1960s standards. Um, what, uh, Boris Karloff is uh, the narrator slash voice of the Grinch. <laughs> Then he slunk to the icebox. He took the Who's feast. He took the Who pudding. He took the roast beast. He cleaned out the icebox as quick as a flash. Why, that Grinch even took the last can of Who hash. Then he stuffed all the food up the chimney with glee. Now, grinned the Grinch, I will stuff up the tree. He's all right. I think it's the right kind of voice. It's got yeah. a certain gravitas to it. I think he's yeah. a better yeah. narrator than Grinch. It never quite seems right when the Grinch starts move, moving his mouth in line with what he's saying. But 
it just seemed it felt a little bit uninventive to me. Like, well, that was one of my issues. Just in terms with of it. the animation style, not animation yeah. style, but what they would, what you can do with a cartoon and have fun with it, like how he steals the presents and all that. Like, this, like he sets the robots off and they walk. Yeah, but well, like, my... there's so much more you could do with that. Yeah, my my mm. biggest um, sort of complaint really is that it, it's that a lot of the film is this montage of him stealing Christmas. It's just ve- or him, you know, preparing to steal Christmas earlier on. There's another montage, and it's all just very stilted. It's kind of like here's a shot that's a bit too long of him doing something obvious, and then we're going to kind of repeat the same animation a bit later mm. on. And it, it, like you say, yeah, it's never quite yeah. as inventive well, think, and full of sight gags. If you gags, think of the the visual, yeah, sight gags, visual humor that is in a Bugs Bunny cartoon, for example, it's just it's missing that. It's just yeah. it's, it's not quite there. There's a little bit of it. But it just yeah, feels like they didn't come up with enough of it. It feels like it should be bursting at the seams with little jokes yeah. and things, and it isn't quite. Should we should we rate it? I don't know if we rate it. Yeah. I don't know. I'd probably say like a six, six to seven maybe. It's it's mm. kind of charming and and nice, and you know, mm. the animation is is good for what it is, but it's not it's not life changing. Yeah, I I gave it a seven as well, which is quite yeah. generous. Yeah, I, I I had to look it up as well. I I've given it a very generous seven. Um, yeah. So in two thousand, I believe it was, uh, mm-hmm. they adapted that short film as opposed to the book to feature length live action film. Well, I I was reading about this. I'll, the production notes on on the Wikipedia article that I was reading are really interesting. So I'm just going to sort of read them to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, genuinely, because I read this stuff and it's like, usually it's just like, oh yeah, boring, boring. This is more interesting. So, yeah, Dr. Zeus wasn't selling the film rights. It says his widow, Audrey Geisel, um, that's not his first wife. This is the woman he was having an affair with while his first wife was ill and then she committed suicide. So this is his second wife. Oh. Um, in July 1998, Geisel's agents announced Violetta she would auction the film rights of How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Okay, so in order to pitch their ideas to Geisel, the, the studios had to be willing to pay $5 million for the material and 4% of box office gross, 50% of merchandising revenue, and 70% of the income from the book tie-ins. Um, the, letter, the letter also stated that, quote, any actor submitted for The Grinch must be of comparable stature to Jack Nicholson, Jim Carrey, Robin Williams, or Dustin Hoffman. Huh. Hmm. Do you know, Alan, the two other actors that they tried to get along with Jim Carrey, the three kind of the top three that it came down to? Do you know who they are? I heard I heard that there were another two. Go on then. Uh yeah, it's is it Jack Nicholson yes. and Eddie Murphy? I was nearly the great trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I will get a reindeer, yeah. I mean obvious choices. But this okay, here's what else it says here. Um 20th Century Fox pitched a version with director Tom Shadjak, who directed Ace Ventura. With that was with Jack Nicholson in mind to play the Grinch. Uh, what, and I then... mean, what what who said who <laughs> said to his his widow Jack Nicholson would be good for the Grinch? Well she that said that her... in the letter. No, I know, but who <laughs> said that to her that made her think, yeah, Jack Nicholson when she when she was putting that together, those criteria. Know, this was this was twenty years ago, so he didn't even know. Oh, I guess he wasn't 60s. an old, old, old yeah. man, yeah. He'd done like the Joker and stuff, and but, like the voice, even yeah, so. and the face. If you were doing it motion capture with his face, but not the body, not the. Face. And was this nineteen ninety one? You say 
No, this was ninety eight when I was. Okay, so he had so he'd already been the Joker in Tim Burton's Batman, so there's probably yeah. some of that playing into this. I bet. Yeah, but obviously it was the Brian Grazer and Ron Howard uh, uh, mm. idea that that got through and got got the deal. Um, it says. The first, the, the first application of the makeup on Jim Carrey took four hours, after which a frustrated Carrey kicked a hole in the wall of his trailer, wanting to quit the film. <laughs> the production, this is what it says, okay. The production brought in a CIA operative who instructs agents how to endure extreme torture techniques in order to coach Carrey to remain calm during the process. <laughs> Yeah, like you, when you see the makeup job on this, it's fantastic. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And you also because it's just a bit too early for proper CGI. You know, it's all legit. Yeah. And for me, it was the eyes. Like I could, mm. I was just sort of seeing like these massive contact lenses. Well, that was put in. it just must be. Like, do you know, it, Alan? Is it real or? Yeah, on on the eyes. Um, apparently, they were so uncomfortable for Jim Carrey to wear those they big contacts be. that they stopped making him wear them in certain shots, so I believe a lot of the film, his eyes have been digitally coloured in in post. Oh. Exactly, because I was thinking that. I, because I was thinking, is this digital? Is the sort of thing they could have got yeah, away with? I, I was trying it to figure it out. totally seamless. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, in some of the close-ups, it's like, well, I can't see a join here. That must be such a big fucking contact lens. Mm. It must be so painful. Like, and all the extras with all the noses and stuff, I just thought like yeah. they've got to go. They've got to go for lunch. Oh, I've got like, something to say about yeah. those noses in a minute, but yeah. Um, <laughs> oh god. <laughs> but um, there was, um, I I watched after because I, I rewatched the film recently in the run up to this, and I decided to watch the gag reel as well. There is there's <laughs> one. The, the gag reel is, is funnier than anything in the film. Um, there's um, there's there's one particular one where he just he just grabs um, Jeffrey Tambor, who's got all his who makeup on and he just like grabs each side of his face bites his nose and then just like pulls his fake nose off with his teeth <laughs> and then just like spits it out and walks away and i'm just like i i sincere i like there's a part of me that really hopes that that was like that he really pissed everyone off and that just kind of halted production <laughs> and they had to like reunite nose but i don't know it's well, really funny can to we watch. can we talk about those noses a little bit yes Christine Baranski's in this film. Mm. Oh, I found myself Here's the worrying. First masturbation story. <laughs> <laughs> I found myself worryingly attracted to her in this film with that weird nose, and I don't know what was going on. Yeah, but I'm really attracted to her in this film, and I'm. I mean, normally she's fine. She's you know a perfectly attractive woman, but I yeah, there's something about her in this film with a weird fake upturned nose, and I was yeah. really into it. And I don't know how to feel about that. <laughs> okay, I wonder if they did that. That must they must have done that on purpose. They must have made hers less extreme yeah. somehow to make her more kind of appealing or something. Yeah, I do have a history of of women with so- somewhat upturned noses, so it's not <laughs> maybe it's just something I go for. I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, I did. Uh... <laughs> It, it, it's, a, it's a neat little thing to just make them seem a little bit weird and in fitting with the production design and the, and the visual style. Yeah, so I think it's all right. And then, but I did notice like all the kids don't have it, and it's just like oh, that's <laughs> such a cop out because you know it's just because like we have to have them in for two hours and do makeup, and they're only allowed to be on set for like four hours. It's, it's already a problem. The official yeah. story is they uh, grow into their noses, but yeah, it needs yeah, a bit. Yeah, enough, it's uh, well, it's weird. I, I like that's... that they, they at least threw in a line to kind of go, yeah. And yeah, so it was directed by Ron. Every film I've ever made is a six out of ten Howard. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ron Howard, six is a bit harsh. Ron Howard is a very solid, competent director who who makes good films. Hey, you know, good I, to be films. fair to him, Ron Howard has made some excellent films. Frost Nixon is fantastic. Um, but that, that's it. It does seem like he just randomly chooses the films he's going to make. There's, there's no yeah. obvious through line. Yeah. Uh, which you know, maybe he just likes variety and. Mm. Interesting stories, but it mm. does seem an odd career. What really struck me watching this for the first time was how much of a live-action cartoon feel it had. I mm. was expecting it to be this, you know, fantasy film, extravagant sets and costumes and things vibe, but it feels like when you watch, you know, live-action Flintstones or live-action... Cartoons. Yeah. It's got that real. Oh, we're emulating cartoon gags and sound designs mm. and colors. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I think it really was approached as let's do live action that Grinch cartoon uh, rather than Definitely. a film from the ground up that's using that story as a jumping off point. Yeah, and the production design really sells it. Yeah, uh, like the, and they've mostly go full on. Like they have cars and their houses and all this sort of stuff. It's obviously just a massive set they built. Mm. Um, but it, it works for me. I think it's it's really nice. Well, yeah, it, it's really committed to it, to what it's doing. Mm. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, going into this, I was expecting it to be dreadful. Um, I don't know why, I just kind of had it in my head that Jim Carrey's The Grinch was not a good film. <laughs> that was its reputation. This is actually, we should mention, the most successful film of Jim Carrey's career, financially speaking. Really? Is it really? Yeah. I mean, unless, I mean, that might have been overtaken, but I don't think he's done anything in the last few years that would have <laughs> um, no, come I, close no, to his previous right. films. No. It, going back to it feeling like a live-action cartoon, I would say it feels like the wrong sort of cartoon. It feels like they're doing a live-action uh, Looney Tunes thing, or, or like Saturday morning kids cartoon, and I don't know, The Grinch, certainly the original short film, wasn't that. It wasn't that kind of irreverent. Yeah. It, it was a lot more thoughtful, I suppose. Uh, it, when when you go back and watch the original, there, yeah, you're right, there's not a lot of big cartoony gestures or anything. He's actually quite mm. slow and kind of menacingly creepy, but he doesn't, he doesn't yeah. do anything big or loud or, or you know, yeah. grotesque isn't the word, but but, you know... Yeah, well, that's what I mean, and and in the Jim Carrey film, it feels like you're only ever like one scene away from an anvil being dropped on Jim Carrey, yeah. and then an awful <laughs> CGI smushing of him to make him really flat, where he kind of goes, yeah. Oh, yeah. "Is anyone got an aspirin?" And you know, it, 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 it just it feels like they were only one notch away from that sort of thing. But yeah, I, I don't know. Um, Jim Carrey obviously was cast as the Grinch uh, in the mm. lead, and it's a committed performance. He really goes for it. Yeah, you. No, no matter what you think of his actual performance, you can't deny that he is seriously giving it energy, and yeah. his you know his expressions are really coming through all that makeup, and he is he 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 looks like he's enjoying himself. To be yeah. fair, I, I, I don't you know think what? you can. Do yeah. a role like this and not enjoy it, uh, you know. Yeah, that that's. I think that really hits what I was about to try and verbalize on the head. Actually, um, I I was gonna say it's been so long since I've watched Jim Carrey in something and felt that classic Jim Carrey magic. Yeah, I agree. It's it's completely committed, and you can see all the Jim Carrey things. Partly, my problem was it's like 
I can see that bit from Ace Ventura. Oh, I can see that bit from the mask. Oh yeah, I mean, it was a little bit. Yeah. By this point, it was a little bit like, oh, okay, I've seen all this stuff before. I can, mm-hmm. I can see Jim Carrey behind all this. I think the major problem with it is, and, and don't get me wrong, I think he's the best thing about the film. He's mm-hmm. he carries it and he, he brings it to life, but it feels like it's just Jim Carrey throwing everything in the kitchen sink yeah. and seeing yeah. what yeah. sticks. It, it, it needed a much more defined character, I much more agree. like, okay, this yeah, is it, the direction we're going to go with it, work on that. It never feels like you're watching a character. It feels like you're watching Jim Carrey. Yeah, with exactly. that's, that's, that's one big note that I kind of made about this, is that with The Mask, for example, ultimately the main character is is a normal person, and and the zany stuff comes out of this this magical thing, and it kind of makes sense. It's the same with Liar Liar. Like he is a normal person, but it's this this external thing that's making all this craziness happen. With the Grinch, it's just kind of he's just doing this voice for the whole thing, and that's that's is, his voice. What is that voice, by the way? Because it's it's almost like a, <laughs> he's kind of doing a British accent at times, and then he's kind of not. And I was getting a bit of Jimmy Stewart at one point. Yeah, there's, yeah. There's definitely some Sean Connery in there for sure. <laughs> The Grinch's lair! The impudent! The audacity! The unmitigated gall! You've called out the thunder! Now, get ready for the boom! Gaze into the face of fear! Booga booga! Yeah, there's at one point he goes into Ron Howard, but <laughs> when he's <laughs> trying to direct some stuff, and I, I yeah. assume that was a intentional. Oh yeah, that. Well, yeah, that, that was, was inter- that was interesting because it is like this whole extended scene where he's directing the dog, and they put the cap on him, and it's like well, that's obviously a, a Ron Howard gag, but it's not just a one quick, yes. quick image throwaway gag. It's like a full comedy scene that he does with the dog. Well, I, I thought always <laughs> oh, do. This is clearly him doing Ron Howard, yeah. but then I thought. Hang on, though. The cap. Maybe Ron Howard thinks he's doing Spielberg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they didn't tell Ron yeah. Howard. <laughs> but, but then I read online. Apparently, Jim Carrey was like improvising it as Ron Howard, and Ron Howard thought it was really funny, so it got left in the film or something. Yeah, intelligent. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. But it was funny. It did feel like a funny bit of Jim Carrey improv. They do put some songs in. Yeah, I was going to say one thing. I hate hate about Jim Carrey's perform or not so much Jim Carrey's performance but one thing I really didn't like about this version of the film was uh they have Jim Carrey sing you're a mean one Mr Grinch uh to himself over this sort of montage and I don't know it just firstly with Jim Carrey you can always tell he's he, he's kind of desperate to have a music career on the side and it's never really happened for him it's uh, like Ricky Gervais <laughs> <laughs> well you know like at least at least Gervais goes and writes funny songs that are legitimately playing to his strengths whereas Jim Carrey it's just he's trying so hard to kind of put energy into his songs you can tell he's trying to do the kind of robin williams as the genie kind of performance with just you know every line's a different bit of madcap energy and it just i don't know it yeah. just it feels so try hard here it it didn't work the pacing of that montage that it's set over didn't work the idea that the grinch is singing that to himself didn't work for me i like it's... that i like that because it was sort of yeah, he's embraced because the the character in this is much more embracing mm. his. It just, his, uh, oh yeah, I am a, I'm a. It, it made him man, feel too self-aware to me in a way that he clearly isn't. <laughs> You're a mean one, 
Mr. Grinch. You really are a heel. You're as cuddly as a cactus and as charming as an eel, Mr. Grinch. You're a bad banana with a greasy black See, when, when I was watching it, I was kind of thinking, I feel like they can't make up their minds whether he's singing the song to himself yeah. or whether it is a narrator kind of... Because it flits in and out. There's a yeah. bit where he's singing it, and then there's a bit where it's it's clearly not him singing it, and then it's back to him singing it, and then it's a completely different... It's, it's like they couldn't decide whether it was mm. uh, a diegetic thing or a non-diegetic thing. Yeah. Do you, know, do you know what else as well? Obviously, this film is a Christmas film. It's all about Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. Yeah, it didn't feel that Christmassy. I don't, I'm not quite sure how to express it. But no, I know what I you mean. Because it, it's because it's because kind it's of set just, in this kind of unreal land, and it, it's permanent winter, per, like practically yeah. permanently Christmas. There's no sense of ramping up to Christmas. Yeah, you we, don't get a sense of spend, people having the week off and yeah. enjoying the family time. And we it spend just, so yeah. long building up to the Grinch with the backstory as well. That that seems to take mm. away from the immediacy of oh, it's Christmas coming up and. And I, I sort of, I kind of feel like the ending is kind of like wrapped up a bit quickly. Yeah. Like af- after he's kind of after he's stolen Christmas and everyone wakes up, I feel like everyone is just like, "Oh, it's all fine. We're all family, and it's great." It's and well, Christmas. They, they, at least in this film, they make an effort. Like yeah. The, yeah. In the book, it is literally. Oh, he hears them singing, and they don't care about the presents. They just enjoy being together for Christmas. So he yeah. takes the presents back, and then he cuts the roast beast. Yeah, but for but for a ten-page yeah. book, that's a perfectly adequate yeah. ending. For a twenty-minute <laughs> cartoon, that's all you need. For a film, you feel like you need something more substantial than that. But then, the 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 but that's the, it. Well, the they crux have to have of the film against the mat. To, yeah, to the crux of the film, the Grinch stealing Christmas, only really happens in the last half hour or so. It it, yeah. it, it spends forever building up to that. You know, making you care for him and understand what makes him take as a character and all that sort of stuff and but i feel like a lot of that time was spent with just kind of random you know there's a lot of just kind of jim carrey being random and doing silly stuff mm. and there's all this stuff with the holiday cheermeister thing and it's just like okay and th- and then it's only like halfway through that the grinch actually steals christmas and then and then the kind of the the whole moral bit of it and everyone learning the lesson is just just kind of so quick and then it's over i felt like you know, the plot could have kind of started sooner and then there could have been yeah. more time later for everyone to kind of, well, you know, learn something personally. That Yeah, that's kind of my, my big complaints, basically. The reason why I don't think this film really works are um, the Grinch's arc doesn't really make any sense and his character, like, by trying to make him into a hero and a, a, the protagonist of our film and, and not just a sympathetic villain, it completely mm. undermines everything about the story that works. So, you know, is is his arc to steal... Because originally the arc of the, the Grinch, the character's arc, is he steals Christmas, he's a bad guy, and then mm. that backfires and doesn't have the effect intended, and he learns a lesson about, you know, love and caring for one another and that sort of thing very quickly, and comes around and is accepted and basically becomes a good guy, and, and that's fine mm. as a sort of simplistic story. It's, it works. Mm. Um... 
But then by giving him backstory, making him sympathetic, and making him into kind of a hero that we're meant to be on side with from the start, it prevents that from working to begin with, because they should accept him to begin with, and yeah. if they don't accept him, it's kind of because he's a complete ass hat in this film and and even after even after his heart grows bigger he's still a complete tit <laughs> it I, doesn't exactly like make him I behave thought. i'm like he has this this big kind of what what's meant to be this big character 180 where he's suddenly really nice and loves christmas and everything but then <laughs> he's just like he gets the girl and he really rubs it yeah. in the mare's face and then and then he's like not letting anyone else have any food and it's like it's like you're yeah, not he, you're not redeemable. even in the flashbacks when he's a kid it's like Oh, they don't accept him and and all this, but it's like, well, no, he's he's a nasty piece of work, and they don't like him because he's a dick. <laughs> or, or at the very least, maybe they don't understand him, but he he expresses that with like anger and aggression. I have another question. This is a separate thing. Yeah. In the backstory, when we see him as a child, now is the implication that the Grinch is a bit off and weird because he's raised by lesbians? <laughs> Swinger lesbians, may I add, <laughs> they very clearly bit. show that that he arrives in this little kind of you know umbrella basket thing, and they're clearly having a party in the house and putting keys in a fishbowl. They are that they was, are lesbian swingers, and it's so weird. That was quite early on, and immediately it was like, oh, this is the sort of film it is, is it? And then it was never alluded to. But then yeah. I, I did read um, in the notes that I was reading, uh, Audrey Geisel, who was Doctor Zeus's widow an owner of the rights, she vetoed some stuff in the script that were basically innuendos and raunchy gags and stuff. So that one obviously mm. slipped through. <laughs> but, I, th- I thought you were going to say she she insisted they put some anti-LGBT like propaganda <laughs> in there, just uh, anti-adoption stuff. There's one gag that really sticks out to me, um, and it's when because it shows it shows kind of the backstory of the Grinch and that you know all the babies arrive down in these little kind of umbrella basket things and yeah. it's like that's how babies are born, yeah. but then one of them arrives at somebody's house and the and the the husband comes out and he goes oh we have a new baby it looks just like your boss. <laughs> and it's and it's meant to be this infidelity joke, but it's like, but if that's how babies are born, then then she won't have cheated on you I because this isn't how babies gag. are made. The, the, the absurdity, yeah, exactly. of but that's it. It's just a it's just a gag for the gag's sake. It doesn't really make any but, sense. I think the joke yeah. is almost that it doesn't make any sense. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But then this is this is what we're seeing is the backstory is uh, an old lesbian couple telling a, a small child where babies come from. So we we could easily buy that none of it is real. But let, okay, can we address the moral of the film, which is that Christmas is more than just presents, man? Yeah. It's it's about togetherness and singing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Do it, we want to address that, or we just well, <laughs> well, the idea is, yeah. I think ultimately, when people say that, it's meant to be about the you know the religious shit. But then this is quite an a religious. Is that even a word? It's it's. There's no real religious element to any of this film, so <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. it feels a bit muddled. It or it feels almost anti-religious insofar as it's suggesting that there's this entire universe within a snowflake we don't know about and you know obviously god might have created the who's on whatever day created the heavens and the earth and all that as well but um i don't know santa's in there santa found his way in (laughs) yeah yeah 
But yeah, so it's not about, oh yeah, it's all really about baby Jesus. But it's not, it, they're saying it's about, oh yeah, getting together, the community. And, uh, yeah. Well, this whole community yeah. is like 80 people, so it's not that hard to get everyone together with this. Yeah. Yeah, they seem like most of them are pretty nasty, unpleasant people, so maybe it's just the one time of the year <laughs> yeah. they kind of get together and actually behave nicely to one another and... I, I did. I have to say, I quite liked that. As in terms of you know making the shorter story a bigger thing, I, I quite like the addition of making the who's actually quite materialistic yeah. because then, because then, because a they have somewhere to go and they have something yeah. to learn themselves, and b you know it kind of gives the Grinch a bit more of a reason to hate the whole thing. Yeah, and yeah. it just yeah. Yeah. Have we got anything else to add? Or because that's pretty much all my notes on the film. I was thinking of other, like, how it would have looked with other people taking it on. Because I was thinking, like, what if Baz Luhrmann had done this? Like, he's got the right kind of aesthetic Mm -hmm. approach. And he's got a sort of wacky sense of humour that might might have just worked. But it would have been a bit more adult. Mm. The other other person that I thought would be really great was The the Grinch by John Waters. Oh, Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever seen any John Waters films, Howard? He, yeah, he did hairspray. I know, I know who he is. He's he's made several cameos in various <laughs> things. Yeah, that's and that's why I, I knew yeah. him until Alan made me watch fucking Pink Flamingos. And... But if you think if you think of John Waters in terms of like hairspray, John Waters, which is kind of yeah, you know, commercial more commercialized, yeah, and like obviously it's still got that dark edge. And maybe you'd have to go a little bit more. I, I, yeah. you, you could make it a kids' film, maybe, but but just there's something about mm. the the subversive nature of it. About I, I don't know if the moral would be the same. I think the moral would be buy things or we'll kill you or something like that. <laughs> 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 like it would be the government would come in at the end and say, no, yeah. we, we need to keep the economy running or you're all gonna." <laughs> That's actually a really good suggestion because. Uh, Ron Howard, dependable as he is, he's not an auteur. He's not really got that subversive streak, and I think the Grinch yes. is inherently very subversive and kind of anti-establishment in a way. I mean, it kind of mm. brings it back round. Well, the, yeah. the character is, you know, it, so it would make sense to kind of go that yeah, way. Yeah, it's certainly got an irreverence that I think doesn't really seem to come naturally to Ron Howard, who seems a bit more squeaky clean and and. Yeah, uh, anything else on the film? Shall we rate this one? Well, I give it a seven. Okay, that's that's surprisingly... watchable. Yeah, it's probably a bit generous. for you. But it, it didn't feel too much like a kid's film. Like, I, I got something out of it, I enjoyed it. It was... I guess Jim Carrey sells it, but there you go. I, I, and I like how committed it is to the whole thing. The production design, the makeup is so good. Well, like I say, I, I kind of went into this thinking it was going to be awful, like the beginning of the end of Jim Carrey's career, I think I kind of had it pegged as in my mind. <laughs> I don't know. I, it was a hell of a lot better than I expected. Honestly, it was it was much much better. I don't think it quite works. I don't think it's exactly great, but I could sit through it. Um, I I give it a six out of ten. Mm. Okay, interesting. Um, I am actually going to give it a five out of ten. Oh. I yeah. I just I just find that a lot of it is just kind of padded out. Yeah, yeah. As much as I do like Jim Carrey and I appreciate the effort he's putting in, I just I think that his voice for the character is kind of annoying. Yeah. <laughs> the character is hard to sympathize with and and they make it so jokey that it makes that even more difficult to do. Yeah. So 
that's that's um, we're surprisingly in line with each other there. I'd say actually, that's yeah. It sounds like we all basically feel the same way. It's just close to each how other, you yeah. how you kind of appreciate Jim Carrey or not. <laughs> yeah. Right. So there is a new Grinch film coming out. Yes. I'm surprised it's taken them this long, honestly, to just make a straight up animated feature adaptation of the story, uh, which is what yeah. they're doing. CGI animation nowadays, which I suppose is justifiable to separate it from the uh, 1966 cartoon, make it its own mm. thing. Uh, I was quite yeah. excited when I heard they were making this. I thought, okay, Illumination Entertainment are capable of making good stuff. Despicable Me, the first one, was a, a good film. and yeah. Then uh, Benedict Cumberbatch uh, got cast as the Grinch, mm. and I thought, okay, I like Benedict. It's an old choice. But yeah, then the trailer came out, and... Uh, well, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not interested in it anymore. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I thought his, from his point of view, I think the voice he's doing is. It seems like a solid vocal performance from what's in the trailer. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like he was maybe like sixteenth on a list of actors they thought of. <laughs> I, do you know what I mean? I, I, yeah. I feel like they probably thought of a lot of other people and they couldn't do it. And I don't think Benedict Cumberbatch is sixteenth on any list, but. It, it's no. it, it, it's max of uh, um, casting that's like oh he's a good name he'll sell well rather yeah, than who it, would yeah. bring in an amazing role. It's like you get Dan Castellaneta to do this or, or something like that, you know? Because Robin Williams is mm. dead, so that's the next choice, right? Yeah. But you need someone who's <laughs> going to bring something, yeah, wacky to it. Maybe. Or maybe that's maybe that's a bit strong. But oh no, I, sorry, I've just looked up the the rest of the cast. Do you know who's narrating it, Alan? The guy, the guy who's the voice of the minions. I mean, you're not far off. No, it's, it's, <laughs> it's Pierre Coffin. No, it's uh, it's Farrell <laughs> Williams. Oh God! <laughs> like, all right, look. So, we so once, we, we haven't mentioned, <laughs> but Anthony Hopkins did the narration for the live action film we just yeah, been talking about. Yeah, Prior yeah. to that, it was Boris Karloff. So you go, Boris Karloff, Anthony Hopkins. Farrell Williams. <laughs> Does he even speak? I don't know. Can, can he? We, we don't know. Maybe it's all he strong. speaks, but it's all auto-tuned, I think. <laughs> oh my god. That's an uh, interesting yeah. yeah, I would not have gone with him. I mean, who would who would you go with for the narrator in, in a modern Grinch? Probably Benedict Cumberbatch, yeah. actually. <laughs> I feel like a you know, like a, a, a sort of reputable kind of Shakespearean kind of very reputable old school actor. Played some yeah. very spooky, creepy characters. That's what you you yeah. want someone who's got that kind of horror bent to them. I don't know the, the the new film based on the trailer just looks like the same thing as the last one, whereby there's about ten minutes of actual Grinch story and just loads of padding that doesn't really. Yeah, well, I, I remember seeing the the first. I guess it was a teaser. It's it's when he's in the it's when he's in the shop and he's just like playing little pranks on people. Oh yeah, yeah. And I'm just yeah. I'm just a bit like, is this is this what we're doing? Is this you know, we're we're doing a new feature length Grinch film and we're finding out what it would be like if the Grinch went to the shop. It doesn't really <laughs> it's not like Grinch, It doesn't really lend itself to like feature length, high stakes. You know. Yeah, that's it. It just it didn't feel like it had any stakes. The the trailer. It felt yeah. Very just. Day in the life of the Grinch, and yeah, yeah. Is this the eight-year-olds though? Is this probably? But yeah. it just—it feels like a wasted opportunity. I think the Grinch as a concept for an animated film, you could make a really great animated mm. film with that. You could do something fantastic. And go on then. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking if if you if they're gonna do it, 
And I think animated, yeah, is absolutely the way to go. Personally, I would opt for Stop Start animated Grinch because yeah. there's something very Christmassy about Stop Start animation. I think you'd hark back <laughs> to a lot of Christmas nostalgia there, all those kind of TV Christmas specials that certainly Americans grew up on with Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer type things. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. that's a good that's a good idea actually. Like I I kind of started thinking that when you mentioned Tim Burton, mm. like mm. a Tim Burton directed Stop Start version. And I just want to hear Jack Nicholson do the Grinch. I'm just, uh, there's just a part of me that doesn't want to let that die. I just, you know. Um, but I think the other thing is, I would play it like a heist movie. I, I would make a big... Because yeah. the, the crux of the film is he's going to steal Christmas. That's what you come yeah. to see. Yeah, yeah. So, and it's all in one night. So. Yeah, so structure it like your classic heist. Structure it like, you know, an Ocean's Eleven or something. It can be oh, really like irreverent that. and light-hearted doing that. But it's about such him a good idea. building up to the the big you know the big score. He's gonna steal Christmas. He's gonna can he can he then like bring in other people or other like other um, do wells? I think he's just yeah, characters. Yeah, oh, I think in, that that'd be bringing the way cat to... in the hat and the, yeah. the Lorax. <laughs> 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 but I think you know yeah that that in theory could be quite a nice way of developing him and making him into more than just a one-dimensional guy. Well, you, you have, like, the inside man, or, or like, is a, you, you get a really little guy, because he can fit down the chimneys. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, yeah, you get, which is something they alluded to in, in the this version, you go and get Rudolph, because he's pissed off with Santa, because he's, yeah. he, he's not appreciated properly. So yeah. you've got Rudolph pulling your sleigh. Yeah, that's like a good 20-minute segment with him, go, like, infiltrating Santa's workshop to speak to Rudolph. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah, you, yeah you, he gets you, a couple of disgruntled elves. And there could be like a gadget guy who makes like the big vacuum for the chimneys and stuff. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah that's one of the elves. Yeah. But the thing things. is, even like that that idea that you've had that that makes sense because it's all building towards the ultimate mm. thing. Like none of that will be padding. That will all be you know how you stole Christmas. Yeah. yeah. And then inherently, you're going to make the stealing Christmas bit really exciting and fun because yeah. you, you've got yeah. all these setups that are going to pay off and. And I think if you play it like high stakes, it'd be very easy to play it like who's take their Christmas security really seriously or something yeah. in society. Yeah. So he's got like laser grids he has to get through and stuff. I, I think you could definitely get away with doing that and making it play like some seriously high stakes stuff. I think you've just saved the Grinch. I think you just <laughs> yeah. It. yeah, it's not it's not often we actually come up with a genuine like oh that's a good idea that would work. Yeah. <laughs> you've just done it. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's very good. Well, the, what's the conclusion though? Is it ultimately? I think the conclusion yeah. could be more or less the same. You know, they they pull off the heist. It's they're really happy, and yeah, then you just have oh look, they're they're still being happy without Christmas and blah 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 blah. I think that works. It's just about how mm. you play it. Would you uh, expand the Whoville people? Yeah, definitely. You'd have to. You'd have to have. You'd have to have a mayor of Whoville again. I think who's kind of your your. Um... Well, I think I, yeah. You you'd have to know what Christmas means to everybody. Yeah, in order exactly, to have yeah. the thing of him stealing it. You know, it would. That's the only way to kind of make it mean anything. I think. And, yeah. And to see the effect it has and all that stuff. Yeah. Do you know who fit in this world? Go on. John Li- John Lithgow. Oh my god, oh, yes. Yeah. <gasps> just either as the mayor or as a dad or something. I fucking I'd I have I'd have John Lithgow as the Grinch. As the Grinch. Or the, as the narrator, maybe. I, I there's nothing that man can't do. He's the best. <laughs> oh no, I know who you get to narrate it. William Shatner. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> who who's like a Christmas staple? 
who could narrate it, who's still alive. Who's someone who's like really tied to Christmas as a Simon Callow, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> he does all the Dickensy stuff, doesn't he? Oh, I know who's associated with Christmas. Uh, Tyler Perry. Uh, Tyler Perry <laughs> as as, as Medea. As Medea, as Boo the Medea Christmas. <laughs> the Grinch and Medea Grinch. <laughs> um, I don't know though. I, I think I think you do want to go counterintuitive with a narrator, honestly, like they have in the past. Get someone kind of spooky. Eddie, and... Eddie Murphy. <laughs> I would have gone for Vincent Price if he was still alive. But he's oh yes, alive. oh that would have been perfect. Or, or Werner Herzog. Oh, oh, well, here we go. Well, there's the decision here. Come on. Okay, this is... Right, Sol. Oh, my God. At the end of this episode, he doesn't know it yet, but Sol's going to record uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the original book. <laughs> <laughs> as Werner Herzog, as an audio book, we'll tack it onto the end of this episode. Um, <laughs> it'll, it'll only take you ten minutes, don't worry. It's just... <laughs> but we'll just do it, do it straight. I, we'll I would love end. to... Yeah, right. I want to hear what that sounds like. I'll do it. <laughs> Yeah, Werner Herzog. That that's perfect. <laughs> with uh, with Tommy Wiseau playing. playing <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh god! You're tearing me apart, Cindy Lou. <laughs> <laughs> I did I did not steal Christmas. I did not. <laughs> oh hi, Max. <laughs> oh my god! That that's my second favorite idea. Just, just let give Tommy Wiseau. Several the million book. to remake <laughs> with whatever means he, he, he chooses to use. Let yeah. him direct it. Put that out. Oh my god! Here, cut oh, the please. the roast beast. Cheap, 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 cheap. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, and if you're a fan of the show, why don't you do us a favour and help spread the word? Just go and recommend us to one of your friends, just one, the cool one, who will get what we do and not be a dick about it. And after you've done that, come back next week when we'll be looking at some fantastic beasts. And now, may I present to you How Werner Herzog Stole Christmas. How the Grinch Stole Christmas by Dr. Seuss. Every who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot, but the Grinch who lived just north of Whoville did not. The Grinch hated Christmas the whole Christmas season. Now please don't ask why. No one quite knows the reason. It could be his head wasn't screwed on just right. It could be, perhaps that his shoes were too tight. But I think that the most likely reason of all may have been that his heart was two sizes too small. But whatever the reason, his heart or his shoes, he stood there on Christmas Eve, hating the Who's, staring down from his cave with a sour grinchy frown at the warm-lighted windows below in their town, for he knew every who down in Whoville beneath was busy now hanging a mistletoe wreath. And they're hanging their stockings, he snarled with a sneer. Tomorrow is Christmas, it's practically here. 
Then he growled with his grinch fingers, nervously drumming, I must find some way to stop Christmas from coming. For tomorrow he knew all the Who girls and boys would wake bright and early, they'd rush for their toys, and then, oh the noise, oh the noise, 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 noise. That's one thing he hated. The noise, 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 noise. Then the Who's young and old would sit down to a feast, and they'd feast, and they'd feast, and they'd feast, 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 feast. They would feast on Who pudding and rare Who roast beast, which was something the Grinch couldn't stand in the least. And then they'd do something he liked least of all, Every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, would stand close together with Christmas bells ringing. They'd stand hand in hand, and the who's would start singing. They'd sing, and they'd sing, and they'd sing, 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 sing. And the more the Grinch thought of this who Christmas sing, the more the Grinch thought, I must stop this whole thing. Why, for fifty-three years I've put up with it now. I must stop this Christmas from coming. But how? Then he got an idea. An awful idea. The Grinch got a wonderful, awful idea. I know just what to do. The Grinch laughed in his throat. And he made a quick Santa Claus hat and a coat. And he chuckled and clucked. What a great Grinchy trick. With this coat and this hat, I look just like Saint Nick. All I need is a reindeer. The Grinch looked around. But since reindeer are scarce, there was none to be found. Did that stop the old Grinch? No, the Grinch simply said. If I can't find a reindeer, I'll make one instead. So he called his dog Max. Then he took some red thread and he tied a big horn on the top of his head. Then he loaded some bags and some empty sacks on a ramshackle sleigh, and he hitched up old Max. Then the Grinch said, Get up! And the sleigh started down towards the homes where the Who's lay a snooze in their town. And their windows were dark, quiet snow filled the air, and the Who's were all dreaming sweet dreams without care, when he came to the first little house on the square. This is stop number one, the old Grinchy Claws hissed, and he climbed to the roof, empty bags in his fist. Then he slid down the chimney, a rather tight pinch, but if Santa could do it, then so could the Grinch. He got stuck only once, for a moment or two, then he stuck his head out of the fireplace flue, where the little who stockings all hung in a row. These stockings, he grinned, are the first things to go. Then he slithered and slunk, with a smile most unpleasant, around the whole room, and he took every present, pop guns and bicycles, roller skates, drums, Checkerboards, tricycles, popcorn, and plums! And he stuffed them in bags. Then the Grinch, very nimbly, 
stuffed all the bags one by one up the chimbley. Then he slung to the ice box, he took the who's feast, he took the who pudding, he took the roast beast, he cleaned out that ice box as quick as a flash. Why, that Grinch even took their last can of who hash. Then he stuffed all the food up the chimney with glee. And now, grinned the Grinch, I will stuff up the tree. And the Grinch grabbed the tree, and he started to shove. When he heard a small sound like the coo of a dove, he turned around fast, and he saw a small who. Little Cindy Lou who, who was not more than two. The Grinch had been caught by this tiny who daughter, who'd got out of bed for a cup of cold water. She stared at the Grinch and said, Santa Claus, why? Why are you taking our Christmas tree? Why? But you know that old Grinch was so smart and so slick. He thought up a lie. He thought it up quick. Why, my sweet little tot, the fake Santa Claus lied. There's a light on this tree that won't light on one side. So I'm taking it home to my workshop, my dear. I'll fix it up there. Then I'll bring it back here. And his fib fooled the child. Then he patted her head. And he got her a drink. And he sent her to bed. And when Cindy Lou Who went to bed with her cup, he went to the chimney and stuffed the tree up. Then the last thing he took was the log for their fire. Then he went up the chimney himself, the old liar. On their walls he left nothing but hooks and some wire. And the one speck of food that he left in the house was a crumb that was even too small for a mouse. Then he did the same thing. The other whose houses leaving crumbs much too small for the other who's mouses. It was quarter past dawn, all the who's still abed, all the who's still a snooze, when he packed up his sled, packed it up with their presents, the ribbons, the wrappings, the tags and the tinsel, the trimmings, the trappings. Three thousand feet up, up the side of Mr. Crumpet, he rode with his load, to the tip-top to dump it, poo-poo to the who's. He was grinchously humming. They're finding out now that no Christmas is coming. They're just waking up. I know just what they'll do. Their mouths will hang open a minute or two. Then the who's down in Whoville will all cry, boo-hoo. That's a noise, grinned the Grinch, that I simply must hear. So he paused. And the Grinch put his hand to his ear. And he did hear a sound rising over the snow. It started in low, then it started to grow. But the sound wasn't sad. Why, this sounded merry. It couldn't be so, but it was merry. Very. He stared down at Whoville. The Grinch popped his eyes. Then he shook what he saw was a shocking surprise. Every who down the Whoville, the tall and the small, was singing without any presence at all. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came. Somehow or other, it came just the same. 
and the Grinch with his Grinch feet ice cold in the snow stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons, it came without tags, it came without packages, boxes, or bags, and he puzzled three hours till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. And what happens then? Well, in Whoville, they say, the Grinch's small heart grew three times that day, and the minute his heart didn't feel quite so tight, he whizzed with his load through the bright morning light, and he brought back the toys and the food for the feast, and he, he himself, the Grinch carved the roast beast. <laughs>